Greg? <laughs> Janine? Oh my god. <laughs> no, just kidding. That's Amanda. The more boring of white female names. No, I mean, okay. So if you listen to Freakonomics, right? Amanda. I am. I am. <laughs> so if you're listening to Freakonomics, like we were just listening to a clip right before this. I've decided this podcast that I'm going to bully Amanda. That's where my energy to come out of my Chipotle nap is going to come from. Just decided. Breaking news. I can slap you. No. <laughs> the offer's off the table. So anyway, <laughs> Freakonomics, they did an analysis of names at one point, specifically looking at girls' names. And she's falling asleep as I speak. Her eyes, she's slowly... <laughs> Oh my god. Anyway, Amanda's a white trash name, so it's actually more of the spicy white name variety. White trash does not equal spicy, it just equals trash. Trash is not spicy. Yeah, but I will punch you in the face. <laughs> so <laughs> um, the cops. Nine on one. What about them? Who's listening? Listen. Save me. You want me to you want me to get real dark here? I prefer if we stop threatening bodily harm towards me. I got a scratch on my arm today and I've been thinking about it all day. I am so Where'd you get a scratch from? Good question. I don't know. So you didn't you saw the scratch at some point today and you said, Ah, ow. Yeah. I didn't even feel it, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh my god, you poor thing. What what terrible things have you seen in life to have received such a scar? It's like this big. It's behind my ear. It, nothing makes sense. One time, I slipped on some rocks at the beach, and I got this huge gash in my leg. And I wasn't supposed to be at the beach. My parents were gone. So I just, like, hobbled my ass back home. And then I went into my bathtub, and I was like, yo, I got this. Emergency room? My ass. We're just gonna sit here. We're gonna, what is it called? Splint? Splint ourselves? We're gonna just deal with this. Put a bunch of rubbing alcohol on it. God, it was so painful. Hi. Everything about you concerns me as a person. How's your day going? I have a nasty scar from it. So our podcast is about, (laughs) every week we're given a topic, and we tell a story that's not about the topic. Uh, We start somewhere else, and by the end we get to the topic, but it's your job as a listener to constantly wonder, how are we getting here? What are these women on? And when will they stop being on each other? Well, Divya thinks I'm ugly, so... I've literally never said that in my entire life. She did. She did. Today. I did not. She looked at my jawline, my spicy jawline. From when she was, like, 16. She was asking me to be like... Um, "Um, excuse me, that was, like, two years ago. 16. I was 22? I was 22! Amanda, you were born in 2002. 2004? You're the same age as my sister. Yes. So anyway. If we're going to spend this so information, she, I might as well spread it. You're she a, I called you said ugly, I was apparently, ugly. so now you were born in 2004. <laughs> well, that's fine. I could slap you. 
Amanda. Yes? Whose turn is it to start? I don't know. I want you to... You got a 50-50 chance, so I want you to guess. I know the answer. Do you know the answer? You're putting a lot on me right now. We haven't even given the definition yet. Correct. Have we explained the podcast? Have I said my name? Yeah, we did all those things. What does happen? Well, okay. We legitimately did those two things. There's no okay there. Oh, maybe. Maybe that happened. No, that definitively happened. It's recorded. Um, Lewis? Lewis? Lewis! (laughs) (laughs) Luke and I are the... Or Simon Taylor see both the camera and Jim in the office. Every time Amanda pulls some shit, we look at each other and just shake our heads. Lewis? Are you going to record the goddamn definition? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> get over here yeah, you didn't have to say get, I'm ready I'm ready Webster's Dictionary defines trains as a woot woot <laughs> end of sentence that's what it says other definition is a connected line of railroad cars with or without a locomotive What? She hates me. She's not letting me come back. (laughs) Lewis is off definitions for the near future. What are you talking about? That was fantastic. Much gratitude to our sound engineer, Lewis, who has to listen to this not only once, but multiple times. It's okay. We've been over this. He only hears it once. (laughs) Because he's not listening to the first (laughs) time. How do you listen to the first time? Bullshit. <laughs> I'm like a computer with like we we sit one here. Megabyte. So like I listen to it, but then I'm like, oh, I need more storage for the next call coming in. Just we, out. We make fantastic jokes. Do we? Maybe not. We listened to our podcast this morning, the one that just dropped. What is it called? I immediately. This forgot. morning. Yeah, this morning is called this morning. <laughs> Well, the I episode. remember the jokes, but uh, I can't remember the name of our podcast. <laughs> I don't even know what who was I am. What the topic last week? Greg? Janine? <laughs> What's going on? I'm just trying to um, remember. What was the last topic? I remember the Greg Janine bit. The I hell was our Chinese oh, people? Surf, surf and turf. <laughs> we were listening to the surf and turf episode, which. For the viewers, we recorded two days ago, so it's a little terrifying that we don't remember it. Divya. I have a master's degree. You. You have a master's degree. Why are you always more surprised about me having a master's degree? No, I'm just saying we both have master's degrees. And we can't remember what we did three days ago. It's such a chipotle. It's dulling my brain. I'm blaming everything I've ever said or done on the fact that there's chipotle now in my belly. I'm going to start with my story right now. Are you supposed to go that's first? Your, that's your cue. Come back in then. Did you ever figure? Yeah, I knew the entire time because you went first last time. It's so easy. You went first last time. I go first this what was, time. What was the topic? Of what? Greg? Janine? It's easy to remember. Odd goes up, even goes down. What? That made so much less sense to me. What does odd goes up even goes down? It, like, makes sense to me, but not at the same time. All I can imagine is, like, birds. 
panda. Going, bobbing their heads up and down, but in a coordinated fashion. It's like only the odds go up and you the evens go down. Before we started. I did not. This is just me. <laughs> this is all me. Anyway. So you're telling your story first. So. That's so cute. Is it? Sexy. Amanda, don't just steal my vocabulary and then use it out of context. Greg? Janine. <laughs> She's now maybe saying Janine in the same tone that I say Amanda. <laughs> All right. Um, my brain is just in a Chipotle soup right now. It's just like I can feel the grains of rice putting themselves in the little crevices of my brain. Mother Earth. Mother Earth. You have your su- oh no, Eternal Mother. You have your soup. I am. I you am. are your own soup. But I wanted peasants in my soup. Oh, I'm so sorry. Ugh. We'll get you peasants next time. Okay. That was a callback. This has all been callbacks. I only remember what happened last episode except for who went first. Today. I'm going to tell you a story about two men. Okay? Okay. I'm going to link their lives and then put them on a train at the end. And their names are Greg. And Janine. And Janine. <laughs> so the first one is Charles Dickens. You know him? Oh, sexy. You heard of is him? Is he? No. No? I mean, yes. Wait. He is... <laughs> well, I, I think I'm going to do too many callbacks to the previous episode. He is the name of a Chinese dish... And yeah. we added sugar, too. The Charles Dickens, the Dickens. is on every takeout menu. <laughs> Wait, why would that actually be so good, though? I don't know. Charles Dickens, together it's with Chickens. The ship of his you? name is Chickens. Dick. And Amanda. You? What? All right. Charles? Right. Has Dick and... Him? The okay. <laughs> Is that my outgoing message? That's the blooper reel. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna tell you about Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens is the second of eight children. My brain's not working. Give me like three seconds. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> am I supposed I, to react right now? No. He's I'm the second over. children. Can I have some water? No. Thank you. I'm having whatever you were having in city states right now. A stroke? Yeah. When was city states? Oh! <laughs> Baby's first birthday. Baby's first birthday. The Dickens. <clears throat> <clears throat> the dicks ins dick dicks in ducks no too far oh a christmas carol <laughs> okay <laughs> you spent so how does your brain work does it work like you have, like, multiple tabs open, multiple tasks running at the same time, but the efficiency is so lowered, and at the same time, you're just going beep, beep, beep. There's a goose. It's 
not a duck, it's a goose. Yeah, I was right. That was a correct assessment of Amanda's brain. <laughs> okay. I'm starting my story now. Officially, I'm not going to pause. It's going to be interesting, I think. Is there a dick and a goose? No, Amanda, leave them alone. Stop putting, <laughs> the- stop putting phallic objects near birds. It's a PETA violation. All right. Okay. Charles Dickens. I'm actually crying. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Dickens. Second of eight children. All right. He's got oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I mean, not really like. He, Lewis is also one of eight children. But is that not. the other person? The other person? Charles has his dick in Lewis? Why? <laughs> Leave the dick alone. Leave it in seventh grade. No. To this day, I laugh at the term shaft, which is used all the time in my job. Continue. All right. I'm going to talk about the shaping forces of these two men, okay? (laughs) I hate it. I feel like I'm giving a presentation. I feel like I'm giving an oral presentation. (laughs) In front of me. Charles has his dick in. Oh my god. He's shaping. Stop derailing the podcast. You know what? We're just going to do 30 minutes of this and post the episode and say Mandalorian. more about this oral presentation <laughs> i don't want to anymore Maybe you want to do your story first no all right <laughs> <laughs> why am i so funny to you today all right charles dickens let's recap because that would have been so hard to follow charles dickens He grew up in a large family, okay? His family started off relatively rich, okay? But then um, his family, his parents are like super social people. So they wanted to entertain a lot, but they also at the same time like had a really big family. And I think there was some kind of like debt issue going on. Mm -hmm. So their family gets pretty poor. They move to smaller and smaller houses. Eventually his father gets arrested um, for having too many debts by his indebtors. Sure. And then... Our little kid, Charles, to make the money that his father uh, basically lost, has to go and work in a shoe polish factory at the age of 12. And what's really sad is that Charles Dickens' childhood dream, he wanted to be a gentleman. What does that even mean? 
He wanted to, I don't know, but it sounds so sweet for a little boy to dream of. He's like, I, I don't know, what value will I lend to the world? I don't know, but I will be a gentleman. That's adorable. That's very cute. Unfortunately, he was then working in a shoe polishing factory for Those, several these months. These two things don't have to be Ye- exclusive. I mean, we know the tale of Charles Dickens. He does not become a gentleman. He becomes an author. The, the, is a gentleman an actual thing? I think so. So I think in that time in England, a gentleman is like just a person, you know, like Darcy. Like the Pride and Prejudice gang. You know what the men do? Basically nothing. They live off the interest of their Wait, hold homes. on. So his whole dream was to be a trophy child? <laughs> Basically. He's like, I wanna have good man I wanna have good manners and I don't have to work. And I honestly think that's my dream in life. You know I what? I too would like to be a gentleman. It so would everyone. Yeah. I don't feel so bad for him now. I do, because as a child, that's like a very normal thing to wish. I feel like it's okay as a child to want it, but then also as a child having to go work at a shoe polish factory kind of sucks. Yeah, but like, it's like every other your... kid in England was doing the same thing. Yeah, but he had hope and then it got squashed. Those kids were <laughs> born into the ash. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel bad for everyone involved. <laughs> yeah. But since the story is about Charles, I feel bad for Charles, too. Okay. Um, Tell us the sad story of Charles. His father gets out of prison after a few months, but Charles is already so damaged from what he has seen in the shoe polishing factory. Damaged? It's been a couple months, my dude. As a small child. He's 12. In the Industrial Revolution. I had my first job at 12. Not in a shoe polishing factory, you did it, girl. That's true. I can imagine. They stuck me in the apple trees so I could get the high apples. <laughs> I do not think it was as bad as a shoe polishing factory. In London. No, I just that had to climb a ladder. Child labor. Maybe. No, I no, don't think so. I mean, okay, obviously, yes, but I still don't feel bad for the dude. All right. <laughs> Meta has decided Charles Dickens... Hell time. Time in hell. What? She's she's imprisoning him to hell. No, I just feel bad for, you know, Tiny Tim, not Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens made Tiny Tim. Yeah. That's because he felt like Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim didn't grow up rich. But he lived as Tiny Tim. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, Charles then, like, after a few months, gets out. His dad kind of pays off some of their debts. He leaves and enrolls in an academy. And then eventually oh. tries a number of careers before he settles on becoming an author. I feel so bad for the kid that got to leave and go to academy. Oh, my God. <laughs> people's lives don't have to be bad in comparison to other people's lives. They can, you can just say this was a hard time for a person. It was. It was a hard time for Charles, and he did a lot to help kind of show what was going on in those factories afterwards. No, that's true. I think it is a good experience in the long run of, like, it shaped him as a person, and then he got to kind of expose, remove the curtains, and help shape or form for it later on. So, maybe it wasn't the worst, but he did make the best of it. Oh, I am eloquent today. I'm patting myself on the back for that one. 
Um, so he tried a number of careers before he settled on Ryder, who was a court stenographer, a shorthand reporter, and almost an actor. But he got sick the day of his audition and then just gave up afterwards. Wait, I have an important question. Yeah. Do you think that the other kids in the factory oh were God. like, <laughs> look at this rich kid showing up, just chilling here? I think they Fuck were probably malnourished and didn't have a single thought in their brain. This is also probably true. Um, he, as we know, eventually grows into a great author and has ten children himself. Holy shit. Yeah. With his very long-term wife, but then afterwards, towards the end of his death, he separates from his wife and gets a new lover. Hey. Yeah. That's rude. Well, I mean, I think it was a mutual decision, or at least as mutual as it can be in that time. Meh. That's mm. pretty rude. But as we know, he his novels always describe the harshness of an urban lifestyle. Specifically, the big shaping factor across all his novels always seems to me like the Industrial Revolution. From the first 20 pages I've read of every single one of his novels, because I can't make it through. They're good, though. They have great stories. Yeah. Are they written in the most eloquent way they could be? No. no. Or it's dude, I was making money by the word. Yeah, I, it's the same way I feel about, um, who's the guy who wrote Moby Dick and why am I blanking on it right now? Oh, no, that man is straight up boring. But no, he's got, he's got really neat sentences in there. I just wish they could cut out a lot of it. Like half, like 90%. I don't know what his name is. I Um, Melville slept. No, Melville. Moby Dick. Herman Melville. Yeah. Yeah, that is his name. Mm-hmm. And one of the great, one of those novels is Oliver Twist, which is about a bunch of young boys who work as chimney sweepers. It's not too far of a stretch to think that that is somewhat based on his experiences in that factory. Charles Dickens. Not Herman. Herman. <laughs> yes. We're back on Charles. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So now I'm going to leave you with Dickens. Okay. And then we're going to move <laughs> over. I should have picked a different author. I really should have. If you're going to lose your shit this many times in a podcast. Well, you can't can't say it. I'm going to leave you with Dickens. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Divya. You're going to leave me with the Dickens. We're going to move on to Hayao Miyazaki. Do you know who that is? I have definitely heard the name before. So you and I watched a film last night. Oh. Spirited Away, right? Yeah. And um, the creator of that film, as well as most other Studio Ghibli films, is Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to walk through his lifestyle a little bit, too. Um, kind of his shaping factors. Um, so he's born in 1941, about a century and some, right? Yeah, that is a century. Yeah. From 1800 to 19. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. Well, I got so confused between a century and millennium because I, I also was doubting myself because I had that mishap of 12th century being 1300s <laughs> or something like that last episode. I just don't trust me in time anymore. But about a century <laughs> later, Hayao Miyazaki is born to a family who owns a parts business for fighter planes in the First World War. 
Um, it kind of shapes a lot of his early movies because he grows up really fascinated by planes mm-hmm. and all the things he's helped his family build growing up. And you'll see it in stuff like his delivery service and just the general idea of flight. Um, he also lived in Tokyo and then moved to Utsunomiya. If I said that wrong, as per usual, please feel free to come shoot me in the middle of the night. Do you speak Japanese? No. I know you don't. I was just joking. <laughs> I thought you were seriously asking. I was like, yeah, I just, I am a secret agent. I do speak all languages. That's the only reason I can imagine that I would know Japanese. Or I was If you were a secret girl. agent? What if you're a Manchurian candidate? What's a Manchurian candidate? Uh... It's someone that's been, like, brainwashed, and they have, like, Like a a sleeper agent? Yeah! Ah. Except they don't know. Sleeper agents usually actually know, and are just, like, inactive agents assimilating into a community. Okay. A Manchurian candidate is a sleeper agent that has no idea and can be activated with a fate or phrase. Oh my god. So creepy. It's not real. Oh! I thought that was if real. you're not real, how come I feel this way? Little baby. That feels wrong when you use it in the context of sleeper agents. Really <laughs> oh, does. sleeper agents are real. Right, right. But the, brain, candidate. the level of brainwash needed for a Manchurian candidate. Yeah, basically when you try to brainwash a person to that extent, they, uh, they die. I love that because I would rather people die than lose control over themselves. That sounds better. <laughs> Um, <laughs> hot take. <laughs> but anyways, he lives in Utsunomiya during the 1945 bombing of it. Yikes. Yeah. So generally, there was an American campaign towards the end of the World War across a bunch of Japanese towns, key holdings, basically. Mm-hmm. And why Japan just doesn't have the right kind of ground forces and weapons they need to cause enough damage to these planes as they're dropping bombs. So it's like a it's just like the best tactical move for the US at the time. But he I think it was a really like hard time for him. Um, also the entire time he was growing up, his mom had spinal tuberculosis, which she fought like almost her entire life till age seventy one. What? joke but i'm not gonna say it it has nothing to do with his mom i'm sorry about his mom <laughs> i said the word spinal tuberculosis and for context amanda broke into a full wide cheshire cat smile <laughs> no, no, no. i was already thinking of something it was not good we just are we moving on or do you want to say it i shouldn't now nah, i feel like you have to you built up so much anticipation I was just going to ask, did he also work in a shoe polish factory? <laughs> he did not. His family was actually pretty wealthy because it was a good time to be a parts business for fighter planes. Yeah. If there was any time in history to be a parts business for fighter planes, might have been then. Yeah, I think the only good part of the like modern Star Wars trilogy was that one line where they were just like... It's great. War, war is the best business of all. Yeah. You guys fight each other. We make all the money. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right. Anyways, I was talking about his mom's spinal tuberculosis. Um, I do not think spinal tuberculosis is funny. 
For the record. For the record. So no one cancels us on the internet. Yeah, because tuberculosis is just such a big problem these days. I don't actually know. Spinal tuberculosis sounds like a different strain. I, I'm pretty sure spinal tuberculosis is just like the end or closer to the end strain. Because tuberculosis is just a bacterial infection. So once it reaches your spine, you're like not coming back. Mm, yeah, I'm not super sure. Um, that sounds right, though. I believe you as... I had to have a spinal tap to get tested for advanced Lyme disease infection. It's, it's great. They really hurt. So if you wondered why Amanda laughed at the word Dickens for five minutes, it's because she has advanced Lyme disease. No, I think that's just because I have a stunted maturity. But uh, Why does she have a stunted maturity? Lyme so disease. many reasons. So many. Um, oh. Anyways, so he, like, really was inspired by his mom. His mom fought it off till she was 71, but she suffered a lot, especially the last eight years. Dang. So if you look at... Eight years? Mm Mm-hmm. God damn! Yeah. It was... I would just die! I would just choose to die, like... If you you haven't seen the movie My Neighbor Totoro yet, but we will watch it at some point, Um, the mom in that is very sick. And that one is based off his mom. Um, also, it's kind of why his movies all have strong female leads. Like, most of his movies are centered around, like, women or girls. And here's a quote from him. Um, he wants brave, self-sufficient girls that don't think twice about fighting for what they believe in with all their hearts. They'll need a friend or a support, but never a savior. Which Aww. I think is a very nice way to put it. Um, and if you, I think, like, watching his movies, it's one of the ones where you never feel like the girl is just, it's just like, it lacks the male gaze in such a phenomenal way that it's, it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think I've watched much media by men where I don't see the male gaze. Mm-hmm. So it is pretty fantastic. I think that's a feat in itself. We, yeah. we did watch uh, Spirited Away for the, you said this at the beginning. Yeah. But yeah, so we watched Spirited Away and I was like, so confused for the longest time by the concept of love that they were talking about in the movie mm-hmm. because it's not like romantic love it's just like ah yes i deeply care for this person mm-hmm. and i want them to live yeah this is why my sister says i'm obsessed with studio ghibli films she's like you this is the kind of love that you love the most it's just like deep enduring friendship slash a platonic bond and it, it just, in a way, I think, is more than any kind of romantic love he could have tried for in the film. Yeah. Yeah. But no lie, I straight up was like, are they going to get together? <laughs> because I'm this so eternal river spirit and this 11-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be the plot of Twilight, so <laughs> not a bad assumption to make. Yikes. Um... He also, when he started off wanting to go into his career, he wanted to be a manga artist. And, but when he started out, could only draw planes, tanks, and battleships. Because those are the only things he saw in his family business. And he almost got to a fantastic movie starring John Candy and Steve Martin. Wait, really? Planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh. <laughs> um, 
And then he realized he can't draw people. <laughs> this is a man. Is that why Ponyo looks so weird? <laughs> no, I think Ponyo is supposed to look weird. He figured it out by the time he started making movies. But like, he, he, so he took it as a kind of like a mission. He started observing people and how they move, but not just that, what motivates them to move. And so big thing that people like about his animation style and what he thinks is terrible about CGI now is that his characters move with a spiritual urgency rather than a mechanical accuracy. So when, by the way they move, you can see the internal mechanisms and motivations of the character, which mm-hmm. I think is one of the best things about an, um, animation. And he's like, I feel like we're losing that more and more as we try to get more and more realistic. Mm. Um, so he goes on to release amazing animated films that are called the films of the 21st century, sets a whole new standard for animation, I think are some of the most rewatchable films. I've seen Spirited Away about like four times now. Um, across the entire span of my life, every time I revisit the film, I feel like I learned something new. So. What did you learn this time? This time, I feel like for me, this time I really liked, well, last time it was No Face. No Face really stood out to me, like, the way he kind of, like, his arc of going from, like, an all-hungry eating monster to just, like, slowly learning to appreciate life and just having friends. Reminds me a lot of the Groke. Wait, is that his thing? What do you think is his thing? I thought his thing was that he just kind of imitates everything around him. I mean, that's what he starts off doing because he's so lonely. And by the end, he kind of gets his own, he goes back to himself almost, and then kind of learns to have, like, inner peace and accept that, like, Chirahiro is his friend, but can't necessarily be there all the time for him. You know what, it's the Grok. It's literally the storyline of the Grok from the Lighthouse story I told you. Man, I think we were watching two different movies. I just saw a thing that's, like, reflecting its... I think towards the, the surroundings end, the whole time. It, it flips that. I think that is the first half of its story or the first three quarters. But by the time they're on the train and all the way to the grandma's house, his entire demeanor changes. But I think that's because he's reflecting being around. What's the girl's name? It's not sad. Chiro Hero. Chiro Hero. Chiro Hero. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so because Chiro Hero was there before and he just could not understand it. He wanted to possess her instead. Like, he was like, I'll give anything for you to be my friend. He didn't imitate other people. He swallowed them whole in an attempt to fit in. That's different to me. I don't know. Anyways. I, we could have an entire podcast on this. Yes, we could. It's so good. No, I, think that, I don't think that it's a wrong interpretation. I think it's entirely valid, but we would have to get into scene by scene and analyze. <laughs> I think it would be so much fun. But... <laughs> that's his, I think his defining masterpiece is Spirited Away. It came out in 2001, and, like, he had released so many good films before this. And then he topped himself in 2001, I think. It's just, like, everything else released afterwards has been great, but it's just, like, I think it brings all the elements of what makes Miyazaki himself into one film. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know what I really liked? What? I really liked that the girl was, like, a girl, right? Mm-hmm. Just, that makes no sense. She seems her age. I feel like so often when you have a hero that's super young, 
they're so much more mature than they should be. And she just, like, she's a kid. She's confused. She's kind of whiny at times, as she should be. She yeah. gets tired. She's hungry, you know. She does impulsive she, stuff. She cries. She, she cries. She tantrums yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I just think that's so beautiful. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, so, I've now explained to you two men, very different lives, but almost the same, in that they kind of saw something when they were young. Some kind of carnage. Um, I think Charles Dickens observes the carnage of the Industrial Revolution, which, to be fair, is not a war, but almost feels like one in London. I mean, it's disgusting. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Wholeheartedly with it. It does kill a lot of people. It does. Yeah. It's just a war we can't see almost. Yeah. And Charles Dickens uses his novels to kind of break it apart and show it as a villain. Right? And then, on the other hand, we have Miyazaki grows up in the carnage of World War II. He's seeing a lot of things change very quickly, and he's watching people react to it. Mm-hmm. Um, these two men, I think, have done amazing stuff in terms of creating media that lasts and sticks with people for a while. How many Charles Dickens books have you read in full? Okay. So not me in particular. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was really mean. No. It's fair. It's not that I'm not capable of reading them. It's that I just don't want to. It's okay. I have read a solid number of his books. They are very good. And that's why there's two of us on this podcast. If it was just me, it would not be as good. My favorite, by far, Great Expectations. It's the best of times. It was the worst Nope, that's the wrong book. That's a tale of two cities. Yes, that is a tale of two cities. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta look at that one. I gotta look at my stupidity. Um, so this is going to sound really, really terrible, but I am going to tell you it really quickly. The reason why I really enjoyed Great Expectations is because when I read it, I had already watched, like, all of South Park. And South Park has an episode with a character named Pip that they, like, brought onto the show for a long amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, Pip goes away. He's back in England. He's on his own little mission. And it's literally the plot of great expectations. I love that. I actually really love that. <laughs> I wonder how many people they got to read great expectations that way. At least one. At least one. And that's already so many. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now I'm going to tell you how these two dudes connected to trains, but in very different ways. Trains. Trains. <laughs> so Charles Dickens in 1865 was actually in a... Train accident. Oh. <laughs> I, yes. <laughs> I assume that both men have been in trains at some point in their life. That was not going to be my final linkage to this story. Excuse you. I know I wrote this two hours ago, but give me a chance. He's um, in a train. He's on a train. He gets in an accident. Basically, um, first seven carriages of the train goes off a bridge that was supposed to be repaired. Oh. That was, like, being repaired a- actively. Uh. They saw it coming a little bit away, and then they hit the brakes on the train. But because of the sheer momentum, they couldn't stop it before the first seven cars went off. Oh, shit. All of the first-class carriages go off into the ravine. <laughs> Sucks to suck. His, the one that Charles Dickens was in was the only first-class coach car that didn't go into the edge. Um, He was completely uninjured, and he helps a lot of people that are hurt at the accident. Um, And then he finally goes back to the wreck train to get a manuscript that would eventually become his last great novel, 
Our Mutual Friend. I haven't read this. I haven't even heard of this. It's his last novel, though. Oh, okay. So this is towards the end of Charles Dickens' life. It's already when he he's, like, traveling by train with his girlfriend, not his wife at this point. So that's how much of the end of his life it is. Dang. Um, so then a year later, when he drops a Christmas collection of stories, he writes a story called The Signalman. And I feel like you should watch the movie that's based off of this. I feel like you would enjoy it. It's got like almost a Hitchcock-esque vibe to it. Love it. Um, but basically, the railway, the railway signal man is the guy who's like, hey, if anything's going wrong, I'm going to let you know, slash I'm going to tell you when it's the right time to go, slash not go. Mm-hmm. Um, this signal man is someone who, it happens three times. Um, every time he sees some kind of apparition, that warns him something's going to happen. And after he sees it, something bad happens. Someone gets run over. The train has an accident. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And every time the apparition is like, has his hand above his head and his arm reached out. And it's like, and he went at one point during the movie goes, it's like someone who's saying, stop, help me. Kind of vibe. Okay. And then... I told you this happens three times, right? The first two times, accidents. The third time, it's the signal man himself. He steps in front of the train and makes that exact motion that he saw the apparition doing. And then he dies. Okay. Yeah. So from this, what you're getting are the tones of the Industrial Revolution and how it feels like something that's unable to be stopped. The signal man's job is almost futile in that way in, mm. in the face of actual danger which is what the signal man's realizing throughout the entire story. Mm. Trains also, like, by the time they're built in London, forever change the face of it, and in a way that, like, it just feels irreversible. So that's what trains means to Dickens. Okay. So for Hayao Miyazaki, on the other hand, trains become a place of contemplation, um, a place where we can sit. While it is, like, this impending force of that's just plummeting and speeds that we can't stop as human beings. It's also a place where we sit as human beings inside and walk and get a whole new perspective on the world. Sure. I really thought his take on trains was super interesting in uh, Spirited Away. And I'm going to talk about it. I have, a, I have this little, I have two paragraphs. I, I was thinking about summarizing it myself. And I just really think he says it better than I can. Um, so it, this is from um, 2002, Toronto Film Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he says, we have a word for that in Japanese. He's referring to the train scene. Um, it's called ma, emptiness. It's there intentionally. He then claps his hand three or four times. The time in between my clapping is ma. If you just have nonstop action with no breathing space at all, it's just busyness. The people who make movies are scared of silence. So they want to paper and plaster it over. The worry that the audience will get bored. But just because it's 80% intense all the time doesn't mean the kids are going to bless you with their concentration. What really matters is the underlying emotions, that you never let go of those. What my friends and I have been trying to do since the 1970s is to try and quiet things down a little bit. Don't just bombard them with noise and distraction. And to follow the path of children's emotions and feelings as we make a film. If you stay true to joy and astonishment and empathy, you don't have to have violence and you don't have to have action. They'll follow you. That is our principle. Ultimately, the train scene is, to me, the heart of Spirited Away. 
After spending so long in the bathhouse, which functions as a gigantic shrine to greed, classism, xenophobia, and consumerism, Mm -hmm. Chirohiro rides a train and gets a glimpse of the real spirit world, which is actually a total mundane place. Many of the spirits look like human shadows, and they're just traveling to and from work, visiting cities or towns, etc. Chirohiro looks out the window and meets eyes with a girl that looks like it could be her. The train isn't just an escape from the bathhouse, but represents Chirohiro's recalibration of what it means for her to be an individual, independent person among many after the stressful insanity at Yubabas. Mm-hmm. So, you're seeing two different takes on trains in my story from two different men. Yeah. I think both are valid, and I think they both kind of lend this notion of there's a lot of perspectives to life, and in a way, we're all linked to a train. <laughs> Whether we're standing in front of it or inside of it, it's just kind of like what phase of life you're at. And I found this quote um, by Paolo Coelho, who wrote The Alchemist, Mm -hmm. which I really like, which is, our life is a constant journey from birth to death. The landscape changes, the people change, our our needs change, but the train keeps moving. Life is a train, not the station. So that was my summary. That was my train story. Very interesting. That's all. Very interesting. I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Thank you. I think it's really interesting that like Japanese culture has also very much integrated the train into its modern life and society. Mm-hmm. And well, Charles Dickens is in Britain, but like the U.S., we haven't really picked up trains. We left them in the 1800s. I uh, yeah. Pacing of life is just so important. Yeah. I think it's something that maybe Miyazaki conquered. The Dickens didn't. <laughs> Ten children and then two wives? I don't think he figured it out quite a You know, much. I think the real problem was that Charles... Didn't spend longer in the shoe polishing factory. Hold on, hold on. She's such a Dickens hater for someone who's read so many books. Hold on, hold okay. on. That wasn't the joke I was going to make. All right. All right. right. I think that Charles may have had too many dicks in him. (laughs) Bringing it back. Also the person who's read so many of his novels. So many. I really, really like Great Expectations. Charles, uh, Charles, no, what's the Tale of Two Cities is also very good. I think that those are, those are my favorites. Bleak House, Bleak House is good, a little bit more boring. Oliver Twist, not really my jam. A Christmas Carol, if it wasn't Christmas themed, everybody would realize that it was stupid. (laughs) Yeah. It is not good. It isn't. No. I'm still thinking about Miyazaki. I think it's so cool that he's so cool. He is cool. He's working on his last film now, and it's basically like a goodbye film to like the end of his career but he's also dying yeah that's literally what he's saying he's like it's to tell my grandson hey why am i not gonna be around anymore and what uh, does that mean and i think so depressing i i i mean but i like that he grows with his career yeah it's still sad i mean i think it's great that he's choosing a film to exit out with he took a long break and then he decided to make that film 
I guess so. It's just sad. It is sad. Sad time. We're gonna lose one of the greats when he dies. Really, truly. It's okay. All the greats must die. Everybody else must die too. All things die. Everything dies. Okay, Amanda. Was Everything. That enough in an interlude for you. Wait. Look at me. Look at me. Eye contact. Everything farts, everything poops, everything dies. And when you die, you do all of those at the same time. Thank you for that educational lesson, Linda. You're... <laughs> I think she was being sarcastic. Um... Was I? <laughs> was I? Well, anyway, I do not have anything intense or deep or even vaguely interesting going on over here today mm. my sources for today are the museum of museums website mm. farandwide.com and a lot of museum websites individually that i'm gonna say all their names as i go through this and i recommend that if you're interested you look it up and they're pretty much the first links you see Dub, 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 dub. Takes in. Dub, 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 dub. Dope. Dope. Dope, dope, dope. Stop smoking weed. <laughs> Can you tell what scene I'm imitating? You can't. No idea. What the hell are you doing? They cleaned all the sludge off the river god, and then the mask rose up. There was music playing. I saw this movie once, and it was yesterday. I have not processed it that much. It's fair. <laughs> Did we watch that yesterday? You were oh. like, it was yesterday. Yeah. Wow. It's been a day. It's been a day. God. We were supposed to go to the gym. It's all right. You want to hear my story? Mm-hmm. You sure? You don't seem super enthusiastic for it. It's a Chipotle I slide. can slap you. Amanda, no slapping. <laughs> no slapping. Okay. So, here's where I start my story. I'm going to start my story. Start my story. Um, I'm <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to start my story by telling you about our friend Colin. Oh, my stomach just made that <laughs> was so loud. I'm sure the mic picked it up. You're going to tell us about our friend Colin? Our, my friend, Luke's friend, Colin. Luke isn't even... Luke is playing games on his phone. Lewis! He's listening at the same time. We can do both. <laughs> he looks so depressed. I think it's because he wants to go to bed and has to listen to two of us talk instead. I'll make it longer. I mean, I'm just listening to you. So anyway, Colin. He's a CS folk. That tells you, like, <laughs> tiny... <laughs> Major. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Listen, if that doesn't tell you 90% of what you need to know about him. It does. It does. But for those of you who aren't sure what that means, it means he's crazy smart. 
He has the weirdest sleep schedules known to man. Um, and that's really it. It's kind of nerdy. All of my friends of college are super nerdy. It's fine. It's because you went to RPI. I, I know. It's a nerd school. I... You know where all the hot people went? My school. And they Divya. got in because their mommies and daddies told them they were on the crew team. Divya. Are you saying I'm ugly? Oh my god. <laughs> Amanda. Yeah? Do you want to exit this podcast episode alive? No. I will murder you. Thank you. This is the second time I've threatened death on this podcast. I love it. Tell me more. No, Amanda. <laughs> well, anyway, since college, Colin has, and this is a quote, I wrote this word for word in my notes, bent the knee for Daddy Bezos and now lives in Seattle, Washington. He works for Amazon? Daddy Bezos, yes. No, but Colin does? Yeah. Ah, my friend works at Amazon. Essen, we should ask if he knows him. Probably not. You don't think so? He's a CS person at Amazon. I can't imagine it's like all. Am- Amazon has like more employees than Edwards. Yeah, I know, but specifically CS kids? Yeah. There's like whole teams just to do troubleshooting and the like. No, that makes sense. Yeah, Amazon is a huge online platform. She says as if she were advertising for <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> Daddy Bezos. Daddy Bezos. Do you want to sponsor our podcast? (laughs) I'll sell my soul if Amanda doesn't win the lottery. You know what else I heard about Amazon? They can get your packages to you the next day. What's in your package? It's my... (laughs) Nope. It's my Dickens. Thank you. Oh my god, did you just stop yourself from laugh-talking it? Was that what we have in just now? No, I was just going to say dick, and then I took it back, and then I made it a... I, I, <laughs> what I did was have a stroke on something that my parents could potentially hear one day. I hope my kids hear this. I hope I don't. Fun fact, by the way, I told my mom about this, and she was like, how do I watch it? It's like, no, 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 no. Fundamentally, what a podcast is. No. (laughs) I am not at all concerned about my parents ever seeing any of this. (laughs) Your parents were alive during the segregation. (laughs) My. Ugh. Anyway, Colin lives in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And that's where things really start. That's where things start. Um, So. I was thinking about this topic, and I was like, what the hell am I going to do? There's so many different things I could do about trains. And I started thinking about museums, because trains are old. Mm. And so are museums. Um, And then, (laughs) this is how my brain works. Uh You asked. Um, And then I was like, you know what? There's so many weird concepts for museums out there in the world. I bet... That there has to be a museum of museums. And I was correct. Oh my god. There is a museum called the Museum of Museums. And I was like, great, great.
Great. So what are they about? What do they do? What's their thing? They have to be like somehow a museum of like the history of how museums came about, what the weirdest museums are that ever existed, right? Like lots of different things. Mm -hmm. I was wrong. It is basically just contemporary art. Oh. But it's still very interesting. And it's in Seattle, Washington. Mm-hmm. So I hit up my two friends that are in Seattle, and Colin got back to me. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I mean, our other friend Duffy also got back to me, but he, too late. I don't think he actually lives near it. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so Colin stopped by. He did not go in. Um. He stopped by and he took a couple pictures of the outside for me. Mm-hmm. If it would load. I mean, the listeners can't see it anyways. No, but you could see it. It's pretty. It's cute. Yeah, it is cute. It's like brick and covered in ivy. Yeah. Yeah. And they're really playing into the acronym. Mom. Museum. Oh, mom. <laughs> and he was like, ah. Oh pretty small but it's cute it's nice there were a lot of people coming out and they were coming from this like flea market thing that they had going on Mm -hmm. i was like huh okay flea market cool gonna do a little bit more research figure out some stuff um so i look into it and it's really interesting so the whole entire thing is modeled around highlighting only seattle-based artists okay and they're also big on like they have a particular area that's just an open exhibit where anybody in the area can apply and they really encourage kids age 6 to 16 to apply and get their art in the exhibit yeah and then at the same time they also do a lot of like community building type stuff like they have a vintage market Mm -hmm. uh, that they do once a month and it's called mall with mom oh Oh, I love when museums become, like, centers of community. That's so cute. Oh. Yeah, so it was, like, super wholesome. And I just, you know, I wanted it to be one thing. It turned out to be another thing. Both things are great. But because I was already thinking about what are the weirdest museums out there, I now have a game for you. It's exciting. Tonight, live on air, we'll be playing Smash or Pass Museum Concepts. Ah! It's my dream. (laughs) I just wanted to play Smash or Pass. (laughs) Amanda so thoughtfully created a Smash or Pass game for me. That's really it. I was like, man, I can get away with having a lame story if I just make Divya happy. (laughs) (laughs) So you've already told me how this connects to trains, right? No. You did say museums are old, trains are old. Yes. There's an actual connection. There's an actual connection. We are going to play Smash or Pass first, though. Okay. No, no. I just wanted to see where we were going. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Yeah, I guess I kind of like started at trains, then went away from trains, and now we're going to come back to trains at the end. It's fine. It's called How Did We Get Here Circular Edition. The Circle of Trains. If a train ran in a loop, would it eat itself in an orvorous? <laughs> I don't like these thoughts. Oh, <laughs> it wouldn't. 
That makes zero sense. No. So the fact that you contemplated it for that long is probably why we're friends. Well, okay. I kind of started thinking about, like, you know those ear twig things? Earwigs? The little bugs that have pinchers? No. They're train-like. What? <laughs> what is, like, this train-like? What does that even mean, to be like train? <laughs> it's long? Anyway, we're just going to skip whatever that thought was. <laughs> Get into... <laughs> so all of these museums came from a very specific article called 30 Bizarre Museums You Should Absolutely Visit. Okay. Yeah. Why do I low-key want to meet the person who wrote this article? I don't. I bet they're really annoying. I bet they're, like, kind of quirky and fun. I feel like the person who would write non-fun museum, like 30 museums you have to visit, but they're not weird, would be a lame person. But a one person who's like, no, here's specifically museums that might be a little bit of fun, is a fun person. I think in general, a person that's been to enough museums to put 30, not necessarily a person I want to vibe with. What? That sounds like a person who's devoted time to visiting centers of community across the globe. That's the kind of, kind of gal. All right, let's talk about these centers. All oh, right. shit. I forgot to look up how you pronounce this. Too late. Now <laughs> someone's going to sniper you out in the middle of the night. <laughs> so it's, it's in India. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to sniper you out in the middle of the night. <laughs> um... Salam? Salem? Sol Ab. I have no idea where you're Muse- talking about. International Museum of Toilets. Oh, fun. Yeah. Um, so I, for each one of these, have like pros and cons. I'm going to tell you my pros and cons, and then you tell me if you would smash or pass, then I'll tell you. If I would smash or pass. Okay. All right. Pros. Museum of Toilets. Got to assume we got a good sense of humor here. Mm -hmm. You know. A mature take on something that's usually treated immaturely. Mm -hmm. All right. And I was reading a little bit more about it. They have a specific collection of poems related to toilets and their use. That's kind of cute. Right? Mm-hmm. I think so, too. They describe them as beautiful. Beautiful poems about toilets. Love it. I love it. Cons. Hard to take to dinner or introduce to your friends and family. Mm-hmm. Hmm. They also wrote a book. And I don't know. In general, I get the feeling they would just talk shop too much. And shop is toilets. And I really only need so many toilet jokes you know okay we're imagining these museums as if they're people oh yeah okay yeah we're taking the concepts people okay all right all right huh okay i personally would smash okay why would you smash because i think that sometimes some things are harder to love than others, but the love is more fruitful, and I think that would be the case. It's the Museum of Toilets. All right, all right. I would pass. Okay. It's too much for me. I love people who are a little too much. I know. 
That's why you love me. Yeah. That's why I buried all those Dickens jokes <laughs> for a solid 25 minutes on a Tuesday night. A Monday night? Fuck, it's not even Tuesday. Oh, this is going to be a rough week. It is. Oh, it really is. My parents are coming. Tomorrow. Day after tomorrow. Tomorrow. They get in at night. So I don't have to see them till Wednesday. But they'll and be then they here. leave when? They leave before Saturday, right? Because this is the weekend of the Elvis concert? No. Elton John. Sorry. First of all, Elvis <laughs> is dead. I knew all this, okay? Sometimes <laughs> the white people names all sound the same to me. Elton John? It has a first and last name. It said E. White. E. Uh, white. That's how it's filed in my brain. It's not even from the same country. Okay, anyway, the next one. <laughs> you feel good about shaming me? Yes. Continue. I do. I could have gone so much harder on you for that Indian name, by the way. I let it pass, but you can let Elton versus Elvis pass. Whatever. These white people and their bullshit. You're correct. I could not. They're not even the same genre. Not even close. Anyway. Amanda, name the biggest (laughs) movie star from my region. Your region? Yeah. There's one small region of the world. Okay, just do all of India. Nope. She can't do it. So. I end with white people and their bullshit. Go. Can you name an Elvis song? Yes, I can. Can you name an Elton John song? Yeah, Crocodile Rock by Elton John. And then what This I'm... is more of the point. What does that have to do with I learned your culture? <laughs> you should learn mine. That's the conclusion. Man, I grew up in the States. And you grew up in the States. It is the same culture. It is not. It could be. It can't. <laughs> anyway. We just had such a profound cultural conversation <laughs> in two letter sentences. <laughs> it was kind of amazing. It kind of felt like it was slam poetry. <laughs> it could be. It can't. <laughs> Alright, go. Next so anyway. Time. Yeah, this is gonna take a while. Um we so have much the- content for you to filter through. <laughs> <laughs> we have the Venthaven Ventriloquist Museum. Yeah. So, pros, short kings and queens. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Nice dressers. You know, they always got bow ties and stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and they host a convention every year, which, you know, I think says that they're they're planners. They're social. Mm-hmm. These are good things. Right. Cons. Now... They do specifically describe themselves as the world's only ventriloquism museum, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, that's like, that's like choosing to be different, you know? It's like, man, a crazy dream girl. Yeah. It's giving. It gives me, yeah, exactly. And um, that's too many dolls to have in one place. They're mm-hmm. going to take up the world. Yeah. It's not good. All so. right. Um, for me, specifically, a pass. It's a pass. It's a pass. It's a pass. It's a pass for a number of reasons. One, this person sounds way too extroverted for me and a little bit of a entertainer for entertainer's sake, mm. which just would not suit. I think they're just too unchill for me to be chill around. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I also couldn't handle the voices. I couldn't have sex in front of the dolls. Oh, do you think they watch? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. Next up. 
The Museum of Broken Relationships. <laughs> <laughs> this is literally my least favorite part about learning anything. <laughs> um, pros. Short distance. It's in L.A. Okay. Um, they understand romance. And... <laughs> Give me, personally, I can fix him <laughs> vibes. Oh my god, I haven't heard that in so long. Um, Dear audience, if any of you listened to the last podcast on the left, I just want you to know that, yes, I did steal that straight up from Henry Zabrowski. Um, but the way she said it is probably him. so much more charming. No, it's not. He does it just as good, if not better. No, I don't believe you. Anyway, cons on this one, emotionally and physically unavailable. And I put that because the L.A. location is currently closed. (laughs) (laughs) And you can't help but question why the focus on breakups. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pass. Pass? Pass. Hardcore pass. Now listen, I put, this is quote, word for word, total toxic smash. (laughs) Uh, no you know me i love the cleanest of people that's fair i don't do harsh vibes i am the harsh vibes that's what i bring to the relationship bring something fucking new jesus i'm a messy person i want things to be messy oh regularly i watch people do anything or hear stories about anything and go oh so messy (laughs) so messy live your life in a straight line people Alright, next up we have the Cup Noodles Museum. Okay. I did specifically look this up. It is Cup Noodles Museum, not Cup of Noodles Museum. Okay. Um, pros. We'll make you dinner. Right. We'll die young. <laughs> probably from high cholesterol. Yeah. Don't ask me why that's a pro. And they make marble slides. Have like a continuous marble slide going that has four hundred marbles on it at any time, and I just think that's zany. Very interesting. It's zany. Yeah. Cons: dinner will always be instant ramen. <laughs> um. And why? Why do you know so much about instant ramen? I feel like it's such a strange thing to be so particular Absolute about. Absolute fucking smash. <laughs> absolute smash i would have instant ramen every day if i could also get rice on the side that would be my only condition i don't need you to bring anything to the table other than the noodles but i'll bring the rice baby maybe some sides just so we can also try to avoid dying young i think i this gives me i can fix them in a slightly more helpful way of like i could get them to work out a little bit eat some more vegetables and then a lifetime supply are you and kidding? He makes them for you. Yeah. Amazing. I, I love it. And he's got some weird specific knowledge. <laughs> I love it. Don't be useful. Be happy. I am with you. I did put still smash. Yeah. 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 Okay. Next up on our list is the International Cryptozoology Museum. Mm-hmm. You know cryptozoology? No. It's cryptids, so it's like Mothman, Mothman, or <laughs> or the Yeti, or anything like that. Oh, like things that aren't real. Um, says who? 
says in me. If you're not ready. I need to stop. Just. You use it for everything. I know. Because it's such a multi-use song. But this one's a really good one. Yes, it is. So anyway, pros. I want to fuck a Yeti. And they have a society. Which means that they're like one step closer to being a cult. Um, Cons. You are more likely, if in a relationship with this museum, to spend a night freezing your ass off looking at cryptids or looking for cryptids that don't exist Mm -hmm. than getting any. Okay. Pass. But because they sound super hyper fixated on a goal that they necessarily can't reach, Mm -hmm. there would be too much focus on the society and not me and someone who is that career driven but has a terrible career would make me want to die. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. This is like someone who's trying to climb the ranks at like never mind, not gonna name drop companies here. <laughs> I have a list of companies though that I think people who if you work there for two, three years to gain some experience and leverage your career, sure. You actively try to climb the ranks there and contribute to the nonsense that they're spouting, girl, get in line for hell. <laughs> Alright, well I put absolute smash. Um I can understand why. Thank you. It makes sense for you. The possibility of fucking a Yeti would go, would would hold you fast through the cold nights. Then would I have to have a three-way with someone else and a Yeti? Yeah. Anyway. You don't think you would be into that? I don't know. I think you would be. It just would have to be a little bit dark. Mm. So next up is the Museum of Bread Culture. Okay. Uh, pros on this one. It is, it is, by the way, it's like art of making bread and then it also is focused on like nutrition okay and how we can like re like distribute things to get rid of world hunger and that kind of stuff oh i yeah. like it it's very interesting um it's so social justice edge yeah pros shared interest i also love bread mm. um they have a wholesome agenda like i said mm-hmm. cares about nutrition cooks good for sure okay Mm. cons you might have to learn german it is in german and it was very hard for me to find information in english okay (laughs) it's giving pita the bread boy vibes oh so it's an absolute smash for you it is 100 percent smash for me that's fair i'm literally about to read catching fire this week (laughs) i was like i'm gonna stop i'm just gonna read hunger games and then we had that conversation i was like no all the best pita scenes are in catching fire (laughs) if i'm gonna read it i might as well go through the entire series um i also put smash right but not for pita the bread baker i don't really i don't care about him I hate you for not caring about him. I don't hate you for not wanting to smash him, but I hate that you don't care about him. I have so many more to get through. Amanda, we need to stop. Maybe it's we skip many. a couple. I think that people are actively losing interest. I will I will stick to the highlights then. Okay. All right. Dog Collar Museum. Okay. It's exactly what it sounds like. Uh-huh. They do have, like, some super ancient dog collars. Anyway. Pros. Could be kinky. Cons. The f- there was like one from the 15th century and it looked really painful. It was basically just iron and then spikes coming off of it. Okay. So. Pass. It's 
not my venue of romantic ventures. Mm, I went for Smash. Uh, it is your venue of romantic ventures. <laughs> um, okay, so then we have the International Clown Hall of Fame and Research Center. Mm-hmm. Yes. I feel like I don't really have to say too much. Um, I guess in prose, he's funny. And he could help you with your makeup. Mm-hmm. But you don't want him to. Because it's going to be bad. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Pass, but for the same reason that I passed on that other museum. Just a little too much attention-seeking behavior. Mm. The ventriloquist one? Mm-hmm. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. Now, I'm also terrified of clowns, so I didn't even read about it before I was like, pass. Yeah. Absolute pass. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So we have the Idaho Potato Museum. Potato. Pro, they give you a free potato if you aren't from Idaho. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's very sweet. Uh, potatoes are amazing. And I can be with my kind. A potato. Pass. I put cons. It's in Idaho. <laughs> Pass on potatoes. Big smash. I think I would die an early death. They would be like a hard and fast hit. Of, it's like a first love. It can't be the last love, though. And that is why it's a pass. All right. That's fair. Yeah. Now, this is the last one I'm going to do. Okay. I can't. It's called... It's near here. Uh We should go. Okay. I think we should definitely go. It's called the Museum of Jurassic Technology. Like Jurassic as in the Jurassic era? But think about this. Jurassic technology. There's none. Yeah. I know. That's great. Okay. Now, I looked at some of the exhibits because I was like... What the fuck is this? Right. One of the exhibits is called No One May Ever Have the Same Knowledge Again. And it consists of 33 letters total. Mm -hmm. But only a few of them are ever actually exhibited at any given time. Which is why no one may ever have the same knowledge again. Whoa. (laughs) I like it. It's trippy. It's so strange. Absolutely. Absolute, absolute smash. Right? There's another one. I have to just tell you this real quick. There's another one that's called the Garden of Eden on Wheels. And it's a collection of artifacts from local mobile home parks. Wow. (laughs) I think this this would be the kind of man you keep discovering for the rest of your life. Just when you think you know him, he's changed it up. Yeah. And it would, I don't know if I could love him forever, but I'd love him for a long time. I do fear that he's also a meme boy. Like, he just lives on being an absolute clown, you know? Mm, but he's a well-researched clown, so there's actually some heft behind the jokes. That's true. That's that is true. the vibe I'm getting. Yeah. So you, you just, like, I feel like it would be hard to have a serious conversation with him about your future. I yeah. feel like this relationship is... My relationship. I didn't say it. I said it. It's okay. (laughs) Lewis, 
Are you my museum of Jurassic technology? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. He just wants to not hear this anymore. As with my Lewis, I give it a smash. (laughs) He's shaking his head no. Oh. All right. What about you? I already said smash. Oh, good. I just said I don't think it'll last forever. That's fair. For Wait. me, smashing should last for a while. <laughs> Wait. I... It's going to last. No, he's shaking his head no again. I said for me. Why did you add this so much weighted context to this question? <laughs> I don't know. I hate you. I'm going to throw more sweater fluff at you. I love the Garden of Eden on wheels. Yeah. It's just so good. Um. Okay. Now that that's over with, you may be asking yourself... The longest segment we've ever done. Why the fuck did we just play Museum Smash or Pass? I think it's probably pretty obvious. Because Smash or Pass is a sign of quick decisions around a relationship. And a relationship is like a train. It has a destination. (laughs) No, so it's actually related to (laughs) if you run someone over... what? <laughs> no, no, no! I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay. I was just thinking about what's the what's the um philosophical thing where it's either you hit four people or you hit one person. Oh, the trolley problem. Smash or pass. I guess the trolley problem is a smash or pass. <laughs> it's always a smash, Amanda. That's the whole point of the trolley problem. Yeah, but sometimes you pass and then on you four smash. people and you. But you're always smashing. That's fine. You're always smashing and you're always passing. So anyway, why did I tell you all of this? It has nothing to do with smash or pass. It has to do with a little known museum in a town called Ellicott City, which is like right near Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, Baltimore. That Shut up. Yeah, right. Don't mock my people. <laughs> I've walked past this place a number of times when Luke and I were visiting because Elkhart City is like a very cute little area. Uh, this museum is also a national historic landmark and has been threatened in recent years by some heavy flooding that's also really badly affected Elkhart City. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's well, not great. But Gordon Ramsay went there at one point to help revitalize the area, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this museum, fun facts, was very sad when you dissed train stations because it's the oldest surviving railroad station in the country. When did originally, diss train stations? You, you said it's not about the station, it's all about the oh. train. I was like, oh, <laughs> my ending's so disappointing now. <laughs> Um, but it was built in 1831 and was the first stop outside of Baltimore on the B&O main line, which you probably don't know this, but B&O is Baltimore and Ohio. Mm. Okay. Yeah. The station remained in service with active tracks until 1972. And if you want to know more about it, it's the B&O Elcott City Station Museum. Exciting. 
of all the museums in the world, there's one that has a train station. And as we pass through it, our life is the train. Oh, God. <laughs> and with that, folks, we'll sign off here for tonight. Good night. Goodbye. No. 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 <laughs> we have to do some plugging as per usual. Um, our Instagram what is... What are we I- plugging? I'm literally doing it Who right are now. we plugging? You just interrupted me plugging. What? Our Instagram is how did we get here? Confusion. Underscore confusion. Hold and on. Hold on. You got to say the whole thing. What? You got to say the whole thing with the underscore. How did we get your underscore confusion? <laughs> Thank you. Um, now you got to spell it out. Caps? Italicized? It's all lowercase. <laughs> it's all lowercase. She's going to murder me. I actually will. <laughs> Chipotle has now turned from brain slush to muscle power. Spaces? There's no spaces. Amanda, I swear to God. I don't know how Instagram works. Louis, come get your girlfriend before I murder her. Um, anyways, our Instagram has, well, every week when we, or every two weeks when we drop an episode, have a little puzzle for you with random images. And if you can spot them in our podcast, that means you listened all the way through and you can pat yourself on the back for that. Do they get something for it? Um, if you like and comment, I will DM you and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the only people to interact with our posts on Instagram. Oh, <laughs> we've got a long ways to go, and I don't think it'll take time. But support me as an influencer. If not this podcast, just me. Support me being my own trophy wife. When she wins the Powerball Lotto tonight. Oh no, that's never gonna happen. <sighs> but with that, we want you to ask yourselves. How did you what get here? Wait. Oh, wait. I forgot about it. Oh my god. What's oh. the next topic? Nuggets. Nuggets! Nugs. Nugs. Give me the nugs. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you here in two weeks. Will we? How did we get here? We don't ever see them. They hear us? They see us. They see us. If you are not real. And how come I feel the same? Little babies. Bye, guys. <laughs> Wait, remember to ask yourselves, how did we get here? Now goodbye. <laughs>